Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vetfolio Voice. This episode, sponsored by First Financial Bank, is all about SBA loans and the importance of working with a lender you trust to develop the right financial plan for your business. Joining me was someone I've been lucky enough to speak to many times before and who always teaches me so much, Dr. Swanda Flowers. Dr. Flowers and I agreed that this topic was a little bit of a heavy lift diving into SBA loans and some of the recent changes that have been implemented around SBA loans. So if you listen to this episode and you enjoy it, I highly encourage you to head over to the Vetfolio website and find our other talks where we talk about lending, how to be prepared for maybe a purchase or an expansion, and what to expect throughout the process. I know that for me, having the opportunity to talk to Dr. Flowers over the last several years has really expanded my knowledge and understanding of practice loans and practice financing, so I'm thrilled that we can bring you another episode. Dr. Swanda Flowers has been an innovative member of the community for the past 20 years. As a former independent pharmacy owner, she understands what it takes to be a successful owner and entrepreneur. Her expertise led her to academia, where she's been leading the way for the last 14 years, focusing on entrepreneurship, ownership, business planning, leadership, and professional development. Recognizing that a passion for ownership and personal relationships are key to small business success, Swanda uses her vast experience in ownership and business planning to support business owners in accomplishing their goal of ownership or expansion of their business. At home, she and her husband enjoy traveling, playing golf, spending time on the water, or skiing in Colorado with their five children. All right, let's go ahead and get into this episode. We are live here at VMX recording with the wonderful Dr. Swanda Flowers from First Financial Bank. And we've spoken many times in the past about different financial topics, and it's always been really empowering. So if anybody is listening and really enjoys this talk, definitely go check out those talks because there's a lot of great information that I feel like sometimes what seems like a very complicated topic and is a very complicated topic that you have done just a wonderful job of breaking it down and making it very understandable. So thank thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. All right, so today we're going to talk about SBA loans. So uh, when we talk about SBA loans, that's in comparison to what? What type of loans are out there? So right, so there there's multiple different options for financing. So when you're, you know, a, a veterinarian thinking about buying, acquiring a practice, starting up, there are multiple different avenues for financing. So um, there's there's obviously conventional loans. So a, a typical direct loan from a bank, a lender. Um, there's also you know where you can get private investors, um, angel investors. So there's there's ways to do that with investors into your business as well. And then there are also SBA loans. So we get lots of questions about SBA loans, um, and it's a really good option for veterinarians to consider. Okay, and SBA loans, let's break that down a little further, because I think, you know, conventional loans, that makes a lot of sense, angel investors, although I would not know how to go about that, the concept (laughs) makes sense. So SBA loans, what exactly is an SBA loan, and are there different types of SBA loans out there? Yeah, so SBA loans are government-guaranteed loans. Okay. So these are specifically for small businesses. The SBA lays out very direct guidelines about what qualifies as a small business, you know, based on the revenues of certain businesses 
businesses. So each industry will have a code. Okay. Um, and so that is laid out very clearly by the SBA to be sure that it qualifies as a small business and that the money is going to small businesses truly. Sure. But they're government guaranteed loans. There's a couple of different types. The two probably most popular that people may have heard of are going to be a 7A loan or a 504 loan. And the difference is typically a 504 loan may be used for real estate or construction, maybe more than it would just to acquire a practice. But both are, are good options. And, and certainly the important point is that you consider all your options. So whether that's conventional, whether that's SBA or some other form of financing, you know, we always want veterinarians to make a good decision for their business. Sure. Um, and so there are lots of options out there. And what we don't want are people to think that there aren't that many options because right. there, there really are great options to fit, you know, whatever that need might be. Is there a reason why someone would choose one type of SBA loan over another? Or is that very just individual based on the circumstances? Yeah, probably individual based on the circumstances. For a lot of acquisitions, we have SBA 7A loans, which seems to be a very popular product. And what that allows for is a 10% down payment. So if you're going to acquire a practice, you know, you can acquire that practice with a 10% down payment. Other loans may require 20% or larger down payments. So, but it, it is variable. And so that's one of the questions that you should ask as you're talking to a lender and your other advisors, you know, what would the down payment requirement be? Because often that is a barrier to entry um, yeah. for many associate veterinarians. Especially for acquisition. That's right. Especially for acquisition. So the price tags can get large. I mean, when we're looking at successful practices yeah. and that can be overwhelming. I mean, if you're thinking about a 200000 you know, dollar down payment, that can be a bit overwhelming, um, I think, for all of us. And so you have to either plan for that very well, or there are some other options with some recent changes with SBA. And so one of that, uh, one of the changes recently in the new regulations is that a seller can actually carry or hold back that down payment for a buyer. Okay. Um, and so in the past, SBA required that seller note. So that's kind of, it's a whole different kind of loan with the seller, essentially. They would have to hold that for the life of the loan. So okay. 10 years. Well, you know, if we put on our seller hat, sometimes we don't want to wait 10 years, you yeah, know, for our money. Absolutely. And so that, that was, you know, somewhat difficult for some sellers. And so recently there's been a change where a seller can do that, can do that and only have to hold that note for two years. Okay. So it's on standby for two years. Mm -hmm. So the borrower would not start to pay back the seller for 24 months. Okay. And then after that, they could begin paying back that seller note. I see. Much okay. more palatable, yes. um, you know, oftentimes for a seller. So that's become a really great option. And that's one of the newest changes with SBA. So making it a little bit more accessible for some of these, these big price tags. That's right. That's right. I want to touch on what you said about this being a government guaranteed loan. Yeah. Is this a federal loan that we're getting? Right. So that that really is, there's a lot of misconceptions around what that is. So the SBA does provide direct monies, you know, from the government to small businesses. Those are usually in the form of those relief loans, right? So, sure. you know, the disaster relief loans. Right. Um, and so during COVID, there was, there was a lot of that available and much needed, you know, actual government dollars, right? right? Like the paycheck, That's, yeah, PPP P -P loans, right. different things. So a lot of those, you know, some of those were coming directly from the government, especially those disaster relief loans. Sure. But an SBA loan for small business is not coming straight from the government. That That is money that is borrowed from the bank. 
Okay. Um, but the bank then is using the SBA program to guarantee those funds. So depending on the amount of the loan, it could be a 75% guarantee, it could be an 85% guarantee. It, it does vary based on different programs. But essentially what that does for the bank is it allows us to lend money to these small businesses. Mm -hmm. And if something were to happen and we followed all the rules, right. um, then we are guaranteed that the government would pay us back that money okay. to a certain portion. So much more palatable for the bank as well right. to work with these smaller right. businesses. Yeah, and so when you think about businesses, it might be a little more, maybe a little riskier. Yeah, um, you know, maybe there's not a lot of collateral involved with them. For you know, that's where SBA can play a huge role in allowing those owners to to enter into small business ownership, and then it allows the bank to have a little bit more security. You yeah. know, in that lending. So that's the way it works. It, it, it is money from your bank, sure. but it is being guaranteed by the government. Right. Absolutely. That makes sense. See, this is why I love yeah. talking to you because it seems like I'm like government guaranteed and SBA and all these concepts, all these different concepts. And I feel like when you break them down, I'm like, oh, I get it. It makes so much sense <laughs> now. So thank you for that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I understand there's been some recent changes mm -hmm. with SBA loans. You mentioned the seller notes. What other changes are out there? Are there any in particular you feel like we as veterinarians should be aware of? Yeah, so I think that the seller, you know, the seller note change is, is a huge change. And there were changes to the SBA regulations that came out this fall. Okay. So what we're talking about today is, is obviously based on the most recent changes. Um, they could at any time change these again. So sure. definitely want to put that out there for listeners. But right now, what we know is that the seller note has changed, right? So there's opportunities there to get into a practice, you know, potentially and not have to have that down payment requirement, you know, and, and do that through a seller note. There's also been some changes when we think about term lengths of loans. Okay. So yeah. a typical business, you know, SBA business loan, if you're acquiring business assets is 10 years. Right. Okay. And so if it, real estate is involved, it can go out to 25 years. And so in the past, we were able to do a blended term, which okay. meant we would look at the ratio of what was the practice worth, mm -hmm. what is the real estate worth, and then we would do a blended term based on that. Somewhere between, between, between 10 and 25 Between 10 years. and 25. Okay. That regulation has changed. And now if the business is more than 51%, so what you want now in order to get that 25-year term, the real estate has to be worth more than the business. Okay. 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 So if the real estate is worth 51% of that project, then we're able to do 25 years. Okay. Anything less than that, it's still going to be 10 years. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and with that in mind, the changes with real estate where, you know, I'm judging by your response here that probably that doesn't happen very often, that you get that 25 year where the real estate's worth more. Yeah. You know, it really depends on where you are in the country, to sure. be honest. Um, you know, I think that there are certain parts of the country that, you know, the real estate the prices are, are, have not gone up like they have in other parts sure. of the country. But there are plenty of places um, where the real estate is quite often very valuable. Okay. And so, you know, there, that really does provide an opportunity for new business owners to be able to make that work from a cash flow perspective if the term is out to 25 years. But otherwise, you, you do, you know, you've got to work some math and really you've got to think about each individual situation and does it make sense? Does it make sense to purchase the real estate along with the practice or should I wait and do that later? And, and really evaluate the scenario and work with, you know, your advisors, your lenders, your accountant, whoever that is, 
to, to do the math. I mean, right. you should at least explore all the options and, and see what that looks like. And that was going to kind of be my next question of if there are a lot of 10-year loans out there, you know, say it's that the business is worth 51% or more. Do you see that as a barrier to getting these loans or is it kind of situational? I mean, is it still realistic to say, you know, okay, a lot of these, well, I mean, and, and as you mentioned, it can vary from region to region, but if we are limited to a 10-year term, is that one of those where we take on a case-by-case -case basis? Do you see that being a, a barrier to getting these loans? No, I don't think so. I think because very often, you know, the business assets is, is what people are wanting to acquire in right. a way. And so, you know, quite often it might make sense to purchase the real estate and lots of times it doesn't. And there are lots of sellers who want to hold on to their real estate. So, yeah. you know, if there are, you know, those out there that are listening that, that own a practice and own the real estate, sometimes they wanted to hold on to that because then that provides some passive income, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, and so really it's very dependent on each deal. That um, makes sense. Yeah. But not to let that scare anybody away. No, like, oh, it's going to be 10 years. Yeah, and not at all. Sure, not at all. sure. Um, what guarantee fee changes? Yeah, so those have changed kind of periodically um, over the last year. I mean, and, and they do change. And, and I think that SBA does try to monitor that and really see they want the best, I think, for small business owners always, you know, and, and it can be a complicated process um, and there is some paperwork. And so you want to have a trusted person who does that all the time walking you through that okay. to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, um, that's our job right. uh, is to make that easy for you. You shouldn't have to understand all of those things. But you know, when we think about the guarantee fee, that was one of the things that really when you weighed an SBA loan versus a conventional loan, you might have this additional SBA fee. And the, and the reason for that fee is because they are guaranteeing that loan, Got right? It. So is, there's a fee associated with that. But recently the change is that if, lo if the loan is less than a million dollars, so million dollars or less, there's no guarantee fee. Oh. Um, and so that is really a huge umbrella yeah. for a lot of acquisitions. And so that wouldn't be a barrier any longer to worry about needing to pay, you know, an additional fee in your closing costs or, you know, bank fees. Right, and, right. And so every penny counts. So, yes. so that certainly helps. But there's no fee associated with those loans right now. Yeah, I could see that that taking away a huge yeah, barrier to entry. Fee. Yeah. A, a couple of things that you said. One, um, when you said these products that are out there, I've heard of these loans being referred to as products before, which is always yeah. hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> as a veterinarian. And then what you said just there about it's not, you know, we don't expect you to understand everything. You know, that's that's whoever you're working with, that's their job. I think that really illustrates the importance of working with someone who you can trust and who knows what they're recommending and, and having someone where you can feel comfortable asking these questions. Yeah, uh, that's right. I, you know, I think that one of the most important things to remember is you were, you were the expert practitioner, and now we're asking you to be this expert business person, and that feels somewhat overwhelming quite often. And you know my background, so I'm a pharmacist, pharmacy owner, and now a lender, and so you know I understand how that feels to come you know into ownership and really feeling like okay, I'm not a business person, I don't have a business degree, do I understand how to do this? You know, can I be successful? And you know, absolutely, you can be. But what we want you to do is educate yourself well enough to be able to ask those questions right and and to know then who you can trust and you know I tell people all the time when when you have lenders or other kind of key stakeholders and, and people in the industry like accountants or attorneys or people like that you want those people who are willing to answer every question yep. you know I mean we should be a resource to those veterinarians 
to help them walk through that process and educate them about their choices. Right. Um, you know, because especially for lenders, at the end of the day, if you are not successful and you can't pay me back, yeah, I'm not sure. going to be successful, right? <laughs> so, um, but but certainly we want to set you up for success. We want you to feel confident in your decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to make good business decisions, you know, even as a practitioner, and it can be a little overwhelming. And so having somebody that you feel comfortable asking questions is really important. Yes. Yes. Because like you said, everybody, we're trying to set everybody up for success here, but that comfort level and being able to say, but what about this? Mm -hmm. And ask those small questions that we don't understand. Yep. That should be a comfortable space that you're able to do that always. We've talked a little bit about acquisitions and real estate and things along those lines. Let's dive into expansions Mm -hmm. for a moment. I understand that there have been some changes around expansions. So if you can expand on the expansion changes. Uh, I think we had kind of, we had quite a bit of a conversation one time, um, I know, on expansions. And one of the huge benefits with expansions when you think about an SBA loan is that we can use equity in your business instead of a down payment. Okay. So if you wanted to buy the real estate or build a building or buy a second location, whatever that looks like for your business, go from a mobile practice to brick and mortar, sure. you know, whatever whatever that looks like for your specific small business, with an expansion loan, you can do that with without having to put cash down, okay? Sure. In some cases, in many cases. So, but SBA allows you to do that and we can look at the equity that's in your current business. And we can use that in lieu of a down payment. Okay. Okay. So so that would re- relieve kind of that barrier to entry yeah. where, you know, you're not going to use all of your capital, mm-hmm. you know, all of your cash on hand in order to expand your business. And so that's a great option. But one of the things that has changed is, you know, we we had a lot of, of practitioners and, and veterinarians and, and other, you know, small business owners asking about expansion loans and maybe going from one part of the country to another, you know, okay. or yeah. I have a practice in Texas and maybe I want to buy one in California. And so really, really now the SBA and the new regulations has said it, it needs to be in the same geographic region. Okay. And so the spirit of that in my my opinion, the spirit of that is just that, you know, they want you to sort of be in the same proximity. That doesn't mean you have to be in the same city, you know, and and maybe sometimes even in the same state, depending on where you are in the state, sure, right? Yeah. But what makes sense regionally for that to be an expansion? But it really, I think, you know, to me, then that rule says, you know, we intend for this to be somebody buying another, you know, practice or right. opening a second location, really continuing to serve that geographic region or that community around you. And so the ownership needs to be the same. Okay. So if if you have a practice and you say you wanted to expand and now I'm going to be your partner. Right. That doesn't that doesn't work. Okay. So the ownership needs to be the same. You need to be in the same geographic region and you need to be in the same business. So okay. we also couldn't go open a restaurant and sure. and, <laughs> and call it an expansion. Yes. So, yeah. Where is your expertise in this, veterinarians? Right. <laughs> right. And so so there are some rules around that, but but definitely if somebody is interested in expansions, ask those questions. You know, yeah. what are the benefits of doing that through SBA versus other types, you know, of loan loans that are out there? Because it's certainly worth exploring. Sure. And that gave me a couple of other questions. One, you mentioned buying the real estate. Would buying the real estate for your existing practice that you own count as an expansion? It would. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. And then you also men- mentioned partnership. I could see if, you know, if you said, well, I'm going to open a second location and I want to work with someone, mm-hmm. is there like a percentage there or it just has to be 100% the same? It would have to be the same ownership okay. for it to be an expansion. Now, that doesn't prevent you from doing it. Sure. But you would have your same down payment requirement as a different 
acquisition. And, and we do get a lot of questions about partnerships yeah. and, and how can we do that or partial buy-ins. Um, yeah. And so there are ways to do that now through SBA. So if you're only going to buy into 30% of the business, you know, or 50% of the business, there are some great, great ways to do that now with SBA. And, and they do look a little bit different than they used to. And so again, ask those questions, you know, don't be afraid to, to really fill out all of your options to be sure, you know, I mean, we're all type A, I think. Um, yes. I when I think about pharmacists and veterinarians, yes. yeah. So we're going to make our list and ask all of our questions and and do all of those things. And and really, that's what you need to do to make a great decision. But but don't be afraid to ask and just explore all those options. Sure. And I think you make a really good point of just because this specific setup won't work mm-hmm. for you, it doesn't mean there's not another one. So that's like you right. said, ask the question, say, this is what I want to do. What's the best way to go about this and make sure you have a comfortable space to to ask those questions and get the answers that you feel comfortable with. Yep, that's exactly right. If you're not comfortable, ask somebody else the question. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, just like in any profession. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about how there have been these changes recently around SBA loans. And I know you talked about, you know, kind of your opinion of the spirit behind some of them. But you know, can you talk about some of the reasons SBA loans and rules and regulations around that might change and maybe why they have changed recently? Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I had all those answers. Sure, I wish you did too, <laughs> I but, that's I like, but I, we won't hold um, you to it. Yeah, yeah, so I wish I knew why. But, you know, I do think at the end of the day, you know, when I take a step back and, and think about, you know, all of the changes that are made, I know that there's a ton of work that goes into that. And sometimes it does, it it might seem cumbersome, you know, right. from the consumer perspective. Uh, I totally understand that. However, you know, what we see are really changes that are made to continue to encourage small business ownership and that the money is going to the right people. And so, you know, I think that that's very important. And and there were some barriers to entry in multiple different professions. I mean, obviously these regulations are not just for veterinary medicine. um, So they're for all SBA loans. But, you know, one of those barriers to entry, for example, we talked about the down payment. Quite often that was really difficult for people to enter into small business ownership because of the down payment requirement. Mm-hmm. And so really they've thought about that and and what does that look like and how could, you know, I mean, I, I honestly think that it's a great benefit now that's available with the seller note. Um, yeah. You know, and being able to do that on a shorter term, it's good for the seller and the buyer. Absolutely. Which, you know, obviously that perpetuates the health of our small businesses. Right. And so at the end of the day, I really think that, you know, they're trying to be sure that small business is successful, sustainable, and that we're not discouraging right. people in every industry from from entering into ownership. I mean, it's scary enough as it is, yeah. right? And, yeah, and a little intimidating. And and so, you know, everything that that we can do to remove some of those barriers. I mean, I I, I do. I honestly think that 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 is the spirit behind it is is really trying to just encourage small business ownership. That's fantastic to know that you know there's yeah. there's forces and and agencies out there really trying to encourage and make it and remove those barriers because um, just the the idea of it itself can be enough of a barrier. And once you get over the, you know, accepting, okay, I'm going to take this plunge, I'm going to do this, you know, as many barriers to entry as we can remove. I mean, of course, as veterinarians, and I'm sure it does not, it's not exclusively veterinarians, we want to pay back our loans. We mm-hmm. want things to succeed. We want to do a good job. And so to be given the opportunity to do that is really encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's right. I mean, the 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 number one mistake, you know, in my opinion, that that many associates make is just that they're afraid they'll yes. fail. Yes. Um, and and that fear is real. Yeah. And and so you know, obviously, you need to do your homework. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be prepared. You need to prepare yourself personally. You know, right. personal financially, and then you need to be sure that you've done your research and your understanding. You know, what to look for in a business and how to make that business decision. But honestly, walking through that process. What we find is veterinarians are very successful and they do pay back their loans, you know. Um, And so we love that we're involved in the industry, you know, and very supportive of this profession and, and how can we help independent veterinary practitioners grow and own. I know I've been very encouraged by a lot of our conversations to say, oh, you know, it is, I can wrap my head around these concepts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you went, I mean, if you made it through vet school, you can absolutely own your own business sure. and be successful. Yes. Yes. We need to keep 100%. repeating that yes. until we believe it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I just want to clarify on the seller notes real quick for my own knowledge so I can understand. So if I'm understanding correctly, the seller, when you say the seller could carry that down payment amount, but it wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to collect on it for 10 years. So essentially a veterinarian would buy this practice and the seller would carry that portion Mm -hmm. for 10 years. And then after 10 years, the veterinarian has paid off the business loan and is now having to pay back the seller. Is that right? So that was historically the length of time that was required. Right. So the new change is that now the seller only has to wait two years okay. to start repayment. Uh, there's actually a way to start payments a little bit earlier too. Oh, okay. But, you know, it, it does get a little complicated. But I think the point is that before the recent changes this year, a seller would really have to... So let's say you needed $100,000 right. for your down payment. Okay. Okay. And so before there was a limit on how much the seller could carry. They could carry half of it. Okay. Okay. So you come up with 50, they then hold 50 50, on a seller note, and then they would have to wait until you paid your loan off before you could pay them. Okay. Okay. Right. So, so your SBA loan would need to be paid before then you could pay the seller. I feel like that creates this like black cloud over your head of like, I paid it back and now I have to pay this other loan. Yeah. And I also think, you know, a lot of sellers, if you have sellers, if you think about the age of right. many sellers, yeah. you know, they're, I want my money. Absolutely. I'm I don't blame you know? them. Yeah. I want to live my life and enjoy retirement. Yes. I don't want to wait that long, right. you know, for that portion to be paid back. So that change now allows that the seller can do 100% of that. Right. And only has to wait two years on full standby. And have you seen that become a problem where you know, we have a veterinarian who's trying to pay back a business loan and now is paying mm. on a seller note. That's a great question. <laughs> great question. Um, I figured but, it would be like a universal <laughs> answer of like, it depends. <laughs> well, it, it does depend. And so, but what, one of the jobs that we have is to be sure that when you do start paying that seller note back, so we're going to look at historical financials. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at how, you know, what does that seller note look like? Sure. Um, it can't be a balloon payment where they expect you to pay right. it all back at one time. So we are going to be sure that it doesn't put that new owner in a situation where they cannot service both loans. Right. And so that's a job as a lender to be sure that, you know, when we look at those purchase agreements and we look at the the cash flow of the business, that you are setting yourself up for success and that that exact scenario does not happen. And again, I think you just reemphasize that, like working with someone you trust, working yeah. with someone you're comfortable with, who, who you feel good is going to put you in a position where you can handle those financial 
impacts that are going to come your That's way. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, also thinking about all the changes that happen all the time. Right. And, and so you do want that person who you can, you can trust to say, okay, now there's, there's this recent change, or let's talk about this, or we're going to figure this out. And mm-hmm. because it, it, it is complicated. I yeah. mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And so you want to have those people that you can rely on right. and ask questions. And I, I probably told multiple people today, I'm going to email that to to my team of underwriters and there you know, go. we're going to get a good answer for you. So, I mean, that's that's what you need. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a team effort for sure. Exactly. And having your lender as a member of your team, not just, you know, this, well, they, you know, give me the loan and that's the end of it. But no, this is a team member who you're going to continue to consult with yes. and make sure that you are set up for success yes. financially. Yes. From the very first conversation, and it's never too early to start those conversations and start asking those questions. And so that relationship could begin very early, maybe Mm -hmm. even before you, you found a practice you want to acquire, right? you know, and, and start that relationship so that you really understand. And then it should continue until that loan is paid off. Sure. Absolutely. I think we've probably covered a lot of this, but you know, just as kind of we wrap up here, why do you think it's so important that we as veterinarians really have a handle on some of these changes and we understand some of these regulations? I mean, of course, we're talking about having a lender who we can trust and is a team <laughs> member, but why is it important that we also have at least some understanding of what we're what we're doing, what we're getting into? Yeah, you know, I think that when that's probably one of the biggest issues that we find with any sort of a, a practitioner because we wanna practice and we wanna take care of patients, whether that's human or animal. And when we think about the business side of it, sometimes that can get left behind. And we're really, you know, we're working in our business, we're not working on the business. And so it's really important as you enter into ownership that you understand that. Now, you should have people doing your taxes and you should have great attorneys drawing everything up, right? But, But at the end of the day, you need to understand that. You need to understand what's going on with your business. You need to understand what your financials mean and what they look like. What, how healthy is your business? Or, you know, what are decisions that need to be made? How, what would, did my business plan look like? Did I write a business plan? I mean, so you just really, it, it puts you in a position to be more successful if you're not relying on everybody else to sort of tell you what to do, but you actually have an opinion about how should this look and what do I need to do? And hold on, I read this or, you know, I mean, I know that this is happening. I mean, it really puts you in more of control of your own destiny and your own success. Mm -hmm. Um, And that empowerment is what's so important as a business owner. I think that makes a lot of sense. And if you're working with people you trust, you know, your accountant, your attorneys, your lender, then being empowered to come up with those important questions, those good questions, and then you can take them to these team members who you trust and say, explain this to me, make it make sense. And that way, like you said, you have that active role in understanding the health of your business and what's going on. And you're not just working in the business, but you can work on the business. You're a member of that business team. Yeah, you want to be a a real member of that team as well. Sure. Well, Swanda, always just the most empowering and informative conversations. I really can't encourage everyone enough to go check out some of the other conversations that we've had because they're very much like this, full of great information to just kind of empower you to be part of that team. So yeah, thank you again absolutely. for joining me. Thank Any you final for thoughts me. you want to share? No, that's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Just be sure to reach out. Anybody who has questions, I mean, reach out to somebody that you trust and start asking those questions. That I mean, that's a really important message. And I'm just excited to to be able to to work in this industry and and help veterinarians own. So yeah. yeah. And remembering that there's people like 
Swanda out there who are <laughs> willing to help and able to answer all of these questions and really, you know, happy to to help look at things to make make veterinarians successful. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. Thank you to Dr. Flowers for joining me and for all of the great information and to First Financial Bank for making this episode possible. If you enjoyed this episode, there are several more out there, so I highly encourage you to check them out. Also, one other note, if you did enjoy this episode, if you would go and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast, I am told that it will help other veterinary professionals find this great information too. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. This presentation is based on changes to the SBA's lending programs made by the U.S. Small Business Administration in November 2023. SBA rules and regulations are subject to change. Visit sba.gov to stay up to date with the most recent changes. This presentation includes examples and does not guarantee identical outcomes. First Financial Bank does not guarantee loan approval, rates, or terms. Each situation must be evaluated separately.